turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Live from Studio A, he's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Andy Froyland. Welcome to Lifeline with Pastor Phil Howard, our Truth For Today edition of Lifeline. And uh, it is a delight being with you this evening and having Pastor Phil in studio. I'm Andy Froyland, and tonight we've got a great Lifeline lined up for you. It's all about those one another's that you have in Scripture and what it means to live out a life in light of those passages, one another's. And there is, you know, like anything in Scripture, it's like a good onion. It's just full of layers. Each time you peel a layer back, you got another one staring you in the face. And it's uh, that is what we enjoy doing here is just mining the depths of God's Word. You know, what's the old saying, Phil? Uh, mine till you're spent and then spend what you've mined. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Uh, one another's. That is uh, That can be a challenge. Challenge for a lot of Christians, especially in this current culture we live in, can't it? It certainly can. And I think that uh, when we talk about uh, these one another's, uh, we can make Christianity a solo flight. Uh, everything, me, me. But so many of the plurals, when we say you in English, we don't know if it's you singular or you plural. But, Unless uh, you're in Texas. Yeah, yeah you all. Y'all and all y'all. <laughs> well, and that would be a better translation. It would, most wouldn't of it? The, yeah, yeah, you all. I'm talking to everybody at Ephesus, Colossae, Laodicea. And uh, I think... Uh, we're going to look at some of these one another's and see what a difference uh, it makes. You know, a house divided against itself cannot stand. And I think what the enemy is doing in these last days is he's trying to get those for truth divided over something, something, secondary issues. We've had it with COVID. We've had it. uh, Let's keep the racial thing going. And we happen to live uh, in a part of the country where we're racially mixed. We're, we're a melting pot in the Bay Area. Uh, we've been meeting with diversity for years, and it's wonderful. But uh, let's not build a throne to any particular race. Christianity isn't racial. It's inclusive. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord is in God's family. And it doesn't matter your ethnicity. In Christ, you're one. That is a challenge for a lot of us these days. And and you touched on it. Uh, We are a self-centered culture. I mean, look look at the magazine rack in the supermarket. Self, us. Uh, 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 it's just it's full of me, me, myself, and I. And, and look at what Christ says: the thing that would distinguish you without saying a word 
is loving one another. Love one another. I've often uh, used that phrase to say to people, you'll get this uh, in uh, church life, maybe anywhere. Well, they don't love me. Uh, They're not friendly to me. And it hit me one day, I've not been called to be loved. I've been called to love. Uh, He said the world would hate me. He said, you can expect hostility towards the message of the cross because they killed my founder, the head, the beloved of my life. They've already, we have gone on record, we don't want Jesus Christ. And built upon this stumbling block, as it were, the church has been built on a rejected, hated Savior, the only one that can save us. And when he saves us, he gushes his love out in our heart so that we are now free to be freed from that self-centeredness that we've been in love with ourselves all of our history. And yet we have wars because I will kill to get more of what I want for self. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's fascinating because I think most of what we learn in our own culture tends to go contrary to what you just said. And it's it's profound. I think you need to say that again just to let that sink in. We are not called to be loved, but we are called to love. And on top of that, the whole illustration of a savior who was hated and we're hated, but we're called to love those who hate us. We're called to love. So that, that, that just flies in the face of so much of what we believe and think these days, doesn't it? Isn't it? And well, Christ said uh, in Matthew, he said, uh, if you love those who love you, what different are you? Uh, it's kind of a payback. Oh, I hope you didn't buy me a gift for Christmas because then you obligate me to buy you a gift. And C.S. Lewis writes a line why he cannot stand Christmas because of what's happened to it. All the tension, obligation, everything is the opposite of gift giving. It's obligation. Don't do something for me. I didn't anticipate you on my list. Mm. And, but yet Christ goes on record saying, if you just love people uh, that uh, you like, listen to what he says. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who's in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Now watch this. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And this is bugged people. For what does it mean I've got to be as perfect as God? I understand that it's saying, you must be as mature as God is, and in this context is measured by how he treats his enemies. 
That's the perfection he's put. He's not talking in moral perfection, sinless perfection, but in the way you've been saved and become God's child. The way we act like the Father is how we treat those who are hostile. And he said, if God can give them rain, if God can give them crops, if God can bless the unsaved man and woman, and has he not done that to all of us? Uh, he said, now my people, if you want to act like me, treat your enemies like I treat them. Love them. But, you, but, but, but Phil, you, you, you just don't understand my neighbor. <laughs> you, you, you don't, you know, you don't live next to this guy as mean as he is and as, as cruel and as rude. How do you? God certainly doesn't expect me to love this guy. I mean, come on. Oh, really? Well, it, it's, it's challenging. I'll tell you what's bad is when you're living with your neighbor that acts that way. Um, we used to have an associate pastor that when couples came in with marital difficulty and, and you'd hear this phrase, uh, well, I don't love them anymore. Hmm. And uh, uh, Dr. Rollins used to say, well, could you treat them as good as Jesus had to treat his enemies? If you, had, if you categorize them as enemies, be as good to them as God would be. And uh, would he do this or do that, what you're thinking about doing? And uh, uh, it, it's it'll slay our heart. And the loving one another, uh, my, you see people that uh, are divided about, we're divided in this country now, so politically driven to extremes right or left. Mm -hmm. Uh, And everything, it seems like those who despise us keep wanting to drive wedges. And and it's the same in relationships, uh, in church life. Let's find something we can divide over or disagree, because the flesh, he said, is a divisive mechanism. Galatians says it loves hate, it loves envy, it loves discord. And so now we're to be this unique people that said, I'm commanding you and I'm modeling before you love like I've loved. And I include even my enemies. Well, in in a world that demands self-preservation, it's foreign to hear Jesus come along and say, pick up your cross, follow me. We need to take our first time out here tonight on Lifeline. It is our Truth For Today edition with Pastor Phil Howard. Good to have you along this Friday evening. We do this every fourth Friday of the month. Thank you, Mr. Craig Roberts, who I understand is still alive, which means my assassin team failed. Once again. (laughs) (laughs) What? That's out of left field, especially on a one another's night. On a love one another. (laughs) We do love Craig tremendously. We'll take a quick time out and come back and discuss. Discuss those one another's. And now from our Northern Command Studios, back to Lifeline with Andy Froyland. And we're back. It's Lifeline, Andy Froyland, and Pastor Phil Howard on our Truth For Today edition of Lifeline. Pastor Phil gets the mic every fourth Friday. We are happy to do so. And you can also listen to Truth For Today right here on KFAX. Uh, Weekdays, 5.30 in the morning, again, 4.30 in the afternoon, and then Sundays at 8.30. And always online at truthfortodayradio.org. And if you're one of those person-to-person, meet-you-face-to-face kind of people, well, 
Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Great place to visit, worship, fellowship, and enjoy the presence of Christ in the midst of his congregation. We are talking about pretty much just that, the one another's. Um, this selfless call that Jesus has towards us in considering people uh, more than ourselves, pretty much. Right, Phil? Absolutely. And just think of, Andy, when we talk about this, love one another. Um, I think of what COVID did to us. Uh, our church was shut down for maybe 10 months. Mm. And uh, maybe the congregation has been uh, cut in half. And uh, some watches online, some don't. Some people quit going to church altogether. Right. Uh, and it's this thing, well, I can watch the service at home. I stay in my pajamas, drink my coffee, you know. But you know what it does? It removes you from one that can love me. You can't love me from afar. And, and you know, Phil, that, that pastorally, that is a challenge. Because on the one hand, I, I, you know, all right, you're, you're forced to close or, or you're a shut-in. You, you can't get out. So, okay, we'll accommodate you with, you know, technology today. But on the other hand, it does just that. How do you, where do you, where do you get the balance in all of that? Where do you get the balance? Uh, that, that's a difficult uh, question because the shut-in, it's a great ministry yeah. and a great friend. Uh, but I think uh, the enemy of our souls will use anything uh, sheep are a flocking animal. They're not solo flights. Uh, and uh, I tell you, I go to church and meet with God's people, and there's nothing like it. If their giftedness is to edify, to encourage, to uh, admonish, to uh, build up one another, you've got to be together. Yeah. And the enemy used a pandemic as an excuse to keep us from one another. We've got to find a way to get back together. Well, and I, you know, uh, you and I are old enough to remember pre-technology days. And for those that were shut in, that's what you did the rest of the Sunday afternoon after services, wasn't it? You and a couple of elders. Yeah. You'd start hitting three or four of those shut-ins. And, you know, uh, for the one church I was a part of, it was a divide and conquer. You know, we had 12 elders, and two by two, we'd go out. Yes. And you could you could cover a lot of the, the shut-ins. And the flock could accuse you of caring. Yeah. That was, you know, it was, it was like you said, though, it was face to face. It gave us the opportunity to minister to them. And, you know, it's one thing for a shut in to sit and watch a Zoom or, uh, uh, you know, a YouTube video. But those of us on the other end of that YouTube video, we can't see your face. No, we can't no. see your reactions. We can't see any hurt or pain in your eyes. And one of the greatest enemies to church life is passivity. Yes. Uh, where we watch a few people on the platform and we think that is the church. And yet every believer has been gifted, has been commanded. You're members of one another. And just share, please, you are a minister of Christ. Yeah. You, you don't have to be ordained. You were ordained by God. Yeah. You were gifted by God. And uh, it's what I... I enjoyed, I grew up in a small church, south side of Richmond, and uh, boy, we, we weren't 
nominated for anything for big. I mean, if, if we had 100 people, hey, that was great. But what it did from the time I was saved and became active, that was about 15. I was taught to be an usher. I was taught to close the windows after church for the pastor. Uh, I, I, I started speaking at youth groups early. Started, I became the junior boys uh, Sunday school teacher. And you say, what? I, there was no, I never had a part of my Christianity where you weren't active, doing something helping. Uh, my brother taught me how to help a senior at the door. And one of our older ladies, a 15-year-old boy, is there taking her hand, holding her arm, helping her find a seat. Main thing, make her face light up because a young, youthful boy was paying attention to her and trying to assist. People, uh, Howard Hendricks used to say, high tech demands high touch. Hmm. And what we've lost is the touch. Yes, People want to be touched in a good way. Some of what we're discussing here tonight is, uh, it centers around Koinonia Fellowship, uh, for sure. Uh, And again, you touched on it in our first segment tonight. This is... This is this is not Lone Ranger Christianity. What we're talking no, about. No. This is it's a body. It's I mean, body. you know, you, you try and walk with one leg. <laughs> try and hang wallpaper with one arm. You can't do it. Can can't you? do it. You, you just can't. can't. Do it. It, uh, and God, in His grace and wisdom and loving kindness, has designed the body of Christ to be just that—a body, hasn't He? He has. Well, you take even. Uh, I think the music, uh, oh, uh, as it were, revolution. I mean, the music and the way music was done when you and I were first saved. Yeah, uh, it was to be congregational singing. I didn't go to church to be sung to. Right. I went to church to sing with a group of people, and it wasn't based on how good the band was or how good any of us could sing, but the familiarity. We would use songs. We Believe me, we sang them many times, but it was a corporate experience. Yeah. And now it's almost like buying a ticket oh. to go hear music you don't you either like or don't like. You sure don't know the words. I always found it fascinating that God could take 50 people who couldn't carry a tune in a bucket, but you put them all together and the congregational singing was beautiful. Absolutely. Have you ever noticed that? It just, it's like it, none of there's us. nothing like we're it. We're all off key until we all get together. And then we it, it sounds like we're, you know, the tabernacle choir. We, we like, make man. harmony in our hearts. <laughs> it is true. It really is. And again, uh, w- what we're doing right here, uh, we're talking about the one another's in Scripture. And we are going to get to that. But it's we wanted to kind of lay a foundation of what these one another's really rest on. And it is. It is a foundation of unity, a foundation of community, and it is a foundation that is is centered upon Christ and his selfless love for you and I. So, for instance, that neighbor who just is railing on you and you can't stand him, you know, uh, like Pastor Phil mentioned here just a moment ago, well, you know, um, what kind of enemy to Jesus were you when he saved you? You know, um, <laughs> and Spurgeon's wife, uh, she put on the wall for him that uh, uh, 
Blessed are you when you are persecuted for Christ's sake. Because Spurgeon, he's still, they say, the most read preacher in English. Right. And yet enemies, critics being roasted in the paper daily, being accused of one thing after another. And she just had it put up in their bedroom, had a plaque. Blessed are you when you're persecuted for doing the right. Yes. For such is the kingdom of God. You'll be blessed. And I think sometimes uh, someone told me one time, said, if you're going to be a pastor, he said, you need the heart of a mother and the height of a rhinoceros. Yes. You've got to live with criticism and sometimes good criticism. Everybody knows how it ought to be done better. Yeah. And uh, I had a young man telling me what, recently how the church ought to do this and do that. It was in another place. And when he got through, I said, my concern is, will you do it? Mm. Will it be improved with you? What will you do to contribute to its improvement? Anybody can critique us. It's amazing that the old ship of Zion has sailed for 2,000 years without your ideas. Hmm. And so, okay, after the criticism, what's your contribution? God has his own sextant. We don't need to add to it. Not at all. But we do need to take a time out. (laughs) So we'll do that, and we'll come back and continue our conversation on the one another's here on Lifeline, our Truth For Today edition. And now from our Northern Command studios, back to Lifeline with Andy Froyland. We are back. It's Lifeline, Andy Froyland and Pastor Phil Howard, the Truth For Today edition of Lifeline. We're talking about the one another's and the challenge, especially in our own culture and society, uniquely and specifically here in the Bay Area, that that we have of being selfless. That is just so hard to do. I mean, A, we're in a rat race. Uh, we barely have time for our family. Uh, B, we, we've just been conditioned by our culture and society to think of self first, everybody else second or last. And it just flies in the face of of the gospel. It flies in the face of, of, of God's design and intent. And, and usually, Phil, I mean, much like anything else in Scripture, we look at it and say, well, yeah, I, I do that and I'm going to fail. Yes, you will. Uh, but <coughs> but God won't. God won't. If we trust him, he is in the business of making what is impossible very possible. Mm. I mean, that's just, that's the God we serve. So anytime you think, oh, that's impossible, um, think again. God is, uh, God's there to challenge that, isn't he? And that's what these one another's are all about. All about. And, you know, I think of the different personalities, uh, whether you're introvert, extrovert, uh, you teach yourself as a believer to be friendly, to be people-oriented, uh, that the only thing on the earth for which God died for are maybe the people you don't like. For while we were enemies yes. of Christ, while we were sinners, it's interesting that Abraham was declared right before God, before he was circumcised, mm-hmm. before he had done anything, but simply said, you know, if you say something, God, I believe you. Mm. That's, that's all he did. Yeah. And I just believe you, you can keep your word. 
Yeah. You, you said, I'm going to have children. I'm going to be, you know, a, uh, uh, a father of nations. Well, that's pretty far-fetched when you're out in the desert in a tent with an older lady that cannot have children. You're, you're over 100 years old. Your wife's 99. <laughs> right. Father of nations. Yeah, father. <laughs> sure. All right. Uh, do you have a, a bridge in Brooklyn you can sell me while you're at it? Uh, <laughs> But you're absolutely right. I mean, God is God is in the impossible business. And anytime you look at your neighbor and think impossible, you've got to go to a mirror and consider what you were before you were a Christian. Because you were in that same impossible situation. But God. And look what this love looks like. He says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Now, if you follow love, will abhor, it can do you no wrong. Its motives are pure. Its actions are pure. And then it says, love people with a brotherly affection. And now, some families quarrel a lot. Me being the baby of a large family, I was loved a lot. I, I have fond memories of family. It says, though, outdo one another in showing honor. Hmm. Isn't that amazing? In a culture that we're talking about fake news, uh, we talk about flattery, nobody has a good motive, you think, by the time they actually. Here he says, we are people that uh, I may be going to church in the first century with slaves dignitaries, uh, all the rank and file of the Roman citizenship. Uh, I'm in church. I said, guess what? I don't go to church to compete with wardrobe. One man said he always drove through the parking lot to see what kind of cars were there to Mm. determine if that's the church he could go to. Yeah. Because he wanted a certain strata of prosperity. Here's a, you're busting yourself to honor one another. Right. And just think, that takes away competition. Mm -hmm. It takes away one-upmanship and what a beautiful thing. When I go to church, and I find in my life, all my honor has come inside the church. Yeah. Not out of everything I got honor for outside the church, I had to pay tuition. <laughs> they finally gave me a degree, but that was after we paid the tuition. Right, exactly. It is, a, it is indeed challenging to consider the fact that uh, what we're talking about tonight is is very selfless. And in fact, we're going to have some guests on in a little bit later on this evening uh, who are going to talk about an avenue that uh, I, I find absolutely fascinating. What do you, uh, you know, you're getting up in years and you've got a, a special needs child. Who's going to take care of that child when you leave, you know? And and uh, Bill and Lynette will join us in a little while here and talk about how they minister in that way, which is a great example of what we're discussing here tonight. You've got the one and others in front of you there? Yes. Yeah, let's let's start working through those. We sure will. Well, I think of that being devoted to one another. When you find out a Florence Nightingale was a uh, believer in Christ, that many of the hospital movements were led by people that uh, uh, would really put their life on the line. Uh, 
to treat people during the bubonic plague, cholera, uh, go to mission fields. They say uh, that the first 29 waves of missionaries to Africa, Ruth Tucker wrote this in her book, From Jerusalem to Erinjara. She said the first 29 waves of missionaries were slain by the mosquito. Hmm. They had no cure for malaria. They didn't know what to... But one body after another is put in the ground, all from one mission. I didn't want to go to heaven by myself. Mm. I wanted you to know that you have worth in the sight of God so much that uh, men like Borden and different ones gave up their assets, gave up their inheritance, and died a pulper in North Africa trying to reach another man or woman with the good news of Christ. You talk about one another. Mm. What makes the church evangelistic? We've got heaven made. But we can never be content with knowing we're saved and you're not. We want you to know Christ. McShane said it is the height of self-centeredness to be content to go to heaven alone. Oh, my. And that is at, 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 Profound. The, at, at the heart of what we're talking about tonight. I mean, if you've got a, a, a missions heart, well, welcome to the club. <laughs> this is this is right at the very heart of what we're discussing, isn't it? You sound like you've been running with Jesus. Uh, just a time or two <laughs> for a week, a little more maybe. <laughs> but it is it is the, it is uh, at at the at the pinnacle of these. You've 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 taken the peak of these one and others. You've started at the height and and start working your way down. But that is, it is the heart of our Father, isn't it? It is the heart of our Father, and you know you think to honor. Um, Someone above yourself. It's in it's innate to human nature to want to be esteemed. Uh, I love what Lewis said. He C.S. Lewis said that the uh, the root of pride was comparison and uh, competition. He said, it was never content to be as good as the other man. It always has to be better. Right. That That's just in, I, oh, what do you make? Well, I make this. Well, I, I make more or less. How are you doing sports? Uh, I want to pick a sport I can beat you at. Uh, right. All of this, and all of a sudden you've got Christ saying, honor. And you know, that, that's convicting to me when I think, who have I honored lately? Peter said you ought to honor your wife. Uh, mm, you, oh, ouch. No, move on. You're, you're stepping yeah, that on. That is convicting. That's, that's, that, no, I mean, no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, you know, really, at least, you know, pat her on the back at least twice, uh, you know, for all she does. But people are going unappreciated, yeah. uh, going unrecognized. And Christ, just think of sharing a bedroom with Christ as his half-brothers were, and nobody ever put up a plaque in Capernaum. Yeah. God lives here. Yeah, yeah, we've got that for Shakespeare. We got it at the Lincoln Room. Yes. There's places all over the world we acknowledge, but nothing with Jesus. And, I, and I, I'm listening to you talk, Phil, and we've got to take another break, but it contracted to a span, incomprehensibly made man. I mean, 
talk about stooping down to another level to love somebody. Oh, my. And we find ourselves too busy and too good to do that with, say, somebody who's living on the streets. Though being rich, yet he was poor. He became poor. That yeah. you, through his poverty, not his riches, not alone from heaven, mm. his poverty enriched us. Mm. Time out. We'll regroup and come at this again uh, just on the other side of the break. You're listening to Lifeline, our Truth For Today edition with Pastor Phil Howard. And now from our Northern Command Studios, back to Lifeline with Andy Froyland. We're back. It's Lifeline. Pastor Phil Howard, Truth For Today edition. Thank you, Mr. Craig Roberts, for this fourth Friday to uh, sit here and talk to folks about Jesus, because that's what we, it, it's kind of like your, uh, your, your spiritual sorbet for the week, and um, we are glad to be a part of it all. We are talking about the one another's in Scripture and the call for you and I as believers in Christ to be selfless, and the, not just the challenge to be that in the current culture and climate within which we live, but also encouraging you uh, out of any of that selfless selfishness that uh, might linger. Uh, as believers in Christ, we are called to be uh, examples and followers of our elder brother who has gone on before us with this. I mean, I, I, I think of the upper room discourse in John and uh, the fact that Jesus washes feet. Uh, we ended the last segment with the whole notion that uh, if God could stoop this low to our level, can we not step down a level or two uh, to minister to somebody who is in need, somebody who's homeless, somebody who could use a, a, a helping hand, or as you and I were talking just before we started uh, during the break, the, uh, Jim Simbola, you know, uh, dealing with the homeless person who just reeked and... Uh, symbol is thinking yeah he he just is doing this for money and the guy's going i just want to know how to get to heaven yes <sighs> just, and, and we can put out a poster we only deal with clean sinners <laughs> you know i uh and and i guess having a, a child who's lived on the streets long enough tends to sensitize you a bit but we we get a lot of homeless folks in our church and uh Boy, you know, if you're honest about it and if it's a true desire, if God's worked it, you don't smell them. Mm, you mm, don't smell them. Mm. That's, not on the, that's not on your mind. That's mm. not in your heart. And I think that's part of one of the one another's that we're talking about, isn't it? Well, I think you saying that. I, I had a man say something to me that I thought was wonderful, that the cancer victim is not the cancer. <clears throat> There's a person underneath the disease. And uh, you don't start treating them like cancer. No. You treat them like a human being. Yeah. And then we got to deal with what the ailment is, the disease. And uh, I think we, we, so many times, we fail to see the person uh, that's an image bearer. Mm -hmm. uh, he says there in, in Genesis 9, forbid men to kill one another because they're in the image of God. 
They're masterpieces from his hand. That's why we are anti-abortion, not anti-women. I raised daughters. Yeah, yeah uh, same here. I, I happen to be a little partial to girls because I raised them. Yes. Uh, we're not against you, dear woman, that if you get in a predicament of an unwanted pregnancy, but there are people by the thousands waiting to adopt. There's people craving a baby in their arm. And uh, here we, we had a breakthrough with uh, birth control and the pill and different methods of preventing pregnancy. No, we're saying the baby in you is as valuable as you. Yes. And don't take something of like value and destroy it for you. God will reward you if you value that life and that you become its greatest protector. Uh, We've got to value one another. I think of what he says here. He says in Romans 15, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that, that seems impossible. We are to live in harmony with one another. And uh, that's really tough when you're a Democrat and I'm a Republican. <laughs> uh, does that does that cover the? Uh, or you make a lot of money. I resent people with money because I didn't grow up with a lot of money. Let's all these tensions, all these de- divisive, de- the haves, the have-nots. Or oh, you're not the right color. Well, well who determines what's the right color? Right. You, your color. Your color, determined your color is the right color. Where do we come up? It's the self-centered sinfulness. Jesus said, if you have an evil eye, uh, he said, it's a part of the wickedness of the heart. Many translations drop the evil eye. What is an evil eye in Scripture? It is the way you frame things before you even meet them. It's what we call prejudice. Right. You put in that square. If you put a woman with many a man, it equals lust. Instead of, I've got daughters, granddaughters, or what? i got a sister. Lust is a million miles away when I got her in that frame. Right. Uh, she's not the playmate of the month, believe me. Yeah. Uh, what makes you think it's evil? No, to the defiled, everything's dirty. You can't look with a clean mind. Or you put color. And so we have a racial prejudice. You've got an evil eye or an evil heart. You don't know how to frame reality. Hmm. And we've got to learn to think alike and become peacemakers. Sometimes you can make some people you can't have peace with. Romans 12 said they won't have peace. Right. you, you leave them. The fool, according to Proverbs, he's never wrong, and he's always going to quarrel. So you got to put a distance, be good to him. You would feed him if he was hungry, but you can't 
agree on anything. reason with them. Yeah, I can't yeah. reason with them. Don't him. argue with a fool lest you become a fool. But argue with a fool lest you become a fool. Lest you become wise in his own eyes. He, God's gotten schizophrenic, man. What's up with that? No. <laughs> <laughs> but you're you're right. It, it, you do. You, you, you have to keep your distance, but you also have to answer them at the same time. I mean, it's... And and it's it's always going to be unless the spirit of God attends it, pretty much useless. But uh, it it does not hinder the call that's placed on us to be selfless. No, I like the way you put it at the beginning. Um, we it, it, this one another's idea is not predicated upon the person we are to be nice to, but it's predicated upon what Christ has wrought in our own hearts. Absolutely. It's a gift. We, we, we're out to be a gift to people. Uh, and, uh, and I think like living in harmony. Uh, and if you think this is a theory, uh, I dare you to get married. Uh, I dare you to have children. Uh, no, no, this is not theory. This is life. Living it up. You know, you say that and we laugh a little bit, but at the same time, there's a serious heartache because within our society these days, we have gotten married and we haven't learned that lesson. No. And so self gets in the way. And so we've got a divorce rate that is just off the charts these days, off the even, even within the, the our own congregations. Steve Farrar has written a book on, of course, he specializes on men's ministry, The Point Man. And, and other books. I just uh, read a book recently that he wrote. It wasn't popular, but in that book, uh, he said that about 50% of the homes in America, children are being raised without a father. I mean, 50%. Uh, uh, I've had some grandchildren that, uh, that they're not sure who's going to be the man of the house. Right. And, the, and we take it and so, hey, this is where the rubber meets the road. Swindoll one time said to a group of us pastors and Dallas grads, he said, you, it won't take you long until you find out it's hardest to live at home. Anybody can show off on a platform. But he said, at home is where the rubber meets the road. It does. And, you know, we can... Uh we can look at that 50% uh, of, of kids being raised without dads. And I think if we were brutally honest with ourselves, we could probably up that to maybe 75 or 80% because the, we, we do have dads in the home, but emotionally they're not. Yeah. No, no. They're, they're married to the job. They're married to the commute. They're married to everything but their kids. Married to football and basketball. Yeah. You know, they don't really have death. Well, and uh, Lifeline is married to timeouts and selling things. So that's what we're going to do. We'll take a quick timeout. We'll come back. We are talking about uh, the one another's uh, selfless life that glorifies Christ and how to go about doing that and what this looks like practically. And in fact, practically speaking, we'll have some guests joining us here shortly to give us an idea as to just exactly what that looks like. The one another's here on Lifeline with Pastor Phil Howard. We're back right after this.